Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random Encounter 244 or 244. My name is John O'Logan. We don't have time for a preamble today. We don't have time to do like a lot of talking about like what's going on in the world because there's too much news. There is too much news to talk about. Uh, this one's probably going to run a little long because there is too much news. So joining us today are Brian McKenzie. Hey. Mario Garcia. What up? And Wes Iliff. Hey, everybody. Okay, everyone. It's not E3 week, which is what many people have been calling it. It's E3, but without the leaking of personal details uh, of the press. So what's really the point then? Um, I'm a little bit, I, I had a realization that this would have been my third in-person E3 if things hadn't taken a bit of a turn back in 2020. Uh, so that was like, aw. But that doesn't matter because there is still a absolute mountain of gaming news that comes out this week. Uh, this has always been one of the biggest video game news weeks of the year. Uh, we are, I mean, uh, journalists were hit with so many gaming trailers that it's like the gaming equivalent of just going into a sugar coma. Eventually, like the trailers just kind of wash over you and you'll like be reviewing the show afterwards and you'll be like, Oh yeah, I don't remember any of these games being announced, but they were, and I know I watched them. But uh, it's uh, it's crazy. There's so much. So uh, rather than be going through each one of the gaming shows uh, over the last couple of days in painstaking detail and analyze each reveal until we have like a nine-hour podcast on our hands, uh, we're going to scale it back a bit, and instead we're just going to talk about uh, our, our favorite game of the day. So each person uh, can select one game from each one of the days of not E3. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. And uh, if there's anything we miss or if there's anything that the audience is super passionate about, uh, feel free to uh, write in. I'll have my contact information at the end of the show. Um, and, uh, you know, bring it up and say, hey, what are your thoughts about this? And uh, we'll address it on the episode after this. Uh, but for now, just before we jump into not E3, I think we should talk a little bit about pre-not E3 because uh, back on June 2nd at the Sony State of Play, there was a game that got a, uh, a release window announcement and a brand new trailer that I know that everyone has been waiting for, and that is Final Fantasy 16. Final Fantasy 16 uh, got a release window of summer 2023, which sounds like it's in the future, but that's going to come before you know it. Um, Final Fantasy 16 is hotly anticipated for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is it's Final Fantasy 16, uh, but also it comes from much of the creative team of Final Fantasy 14. Uh, which I've heard is a pretty big deal. Uh, it is. It looks like a departure uh, from Final Fantasy in a variety of different ways. For example, while the game does feature summon monsters, uh, they are in giant kaiju forms that fight each other in like battles. Um, the general uh, combat appears to be much more action-oriented than turn-based. Uh, I don't think there's been a lot of turn-based mechanics. It looks like there might be a duel system where you, you duel people. Uh, it's going to be leaning heavily into political intrigue and going back to a much more medieval aesthetic uh, rather than the vaguely modern world of Final Fantasy uh, 15. So I, I don't think there's going to be any cars or a cup of or cup of noodles in this. This looks like it's going to be pretty solidly going back to the, the heart of Final Fantasy for a lot of people, which is, you know, kind of medieval. Um, what was everyone's take on this trailer? Did you enjoy it? I thought it was a great trailer. Uh, but I always think Final Fantasy has good trailers, so I'm not fully leaning into the hype until I see a little more gameplay, because the trailers are always good. But it was a good trailer. I really liked it. Yeah, Square uh, Square Enix does a... They, they do a good trailer. I think it leans back to, like, the days of their CGI work and, like, PN PlayStation games and things like that, where they could really just blow everyone away by showing a pre-rendered cutscene. But they that that style has moved forward again, and 
you know, they, they just they delivered exciting things to look at screen. There are explosions and there are, are big monsters and things. It's cool. Not to mention the music, the, the soaking music that's in play here. Like just that pedigree of, oh, yeah. of having creative, uh, creative business unit three on board is just, that should be enough to get people excited and seeing that it, it looks, you know, very similar to a lot of the best parts of final fantasy 14. I mean, even at its worst, I love any mainline final fantasy and this looks like it'll be uh, a notch above so far. So I'm excited. Yeah. I think, I think this game, this trailer got a lot of people pumped up. Um, there's nothing really, uh, there was some criticism online saying like, oh, it looks much, it looks too action-y. And I'm like, eh, guys, that's kind of where Final Fantasy has been heading for the yeah. last 10, yeah. 15 years. If you haven't been paying attention, I guess you could, well, where's the turn-based combat? Well, unfortunately, that hasn't been a thing since 12, so. <laughs> yeah, it's about 20 years ago. Uh, yeah. Something like that. It's a bit long gone at this point. <laughs> exactly. If you want turn-based combat, from a Final Fantasy game, uh, there are lots of them available, including the uh, all of the Pixel remasters that recently got released. Or I guess if you're kind of desperate, you could play Final Fantasy Dimensions. I still like Final Fantasy Dimensions uh, for iOS. I I, it, I like it. It's just it just seems kind of like a it feels like a fan hack of the classic Final <laughs> Fantasy game. It's like a it's low fun. fat Final Fantasy, a which is bad. A little bit. I like it. It just it feels very much like someone hacked Final Fantasy V and put in their own story, but like yeah. used all of the same like mechanics and things like that. But it's it's fun if you if you want classic Final Fantasy, go there. But yeah, um, this game is going to be hotly anticipated for next summer. Obviously, next year's not E3 or potentially actual E3 because E3 is coming back. Question mark. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, same. But uh, this will be hotly featured at that time. So we can expect tons of more news at that point. And I suspect that's probably going to be the next big news dump about this game. Um, so it might be going going quiet for a while. So hopefully this this trailer holds you over for the year. Um, another game that got announced during the state play, which I'm, I wish I could say I was more excited about it because I don't actually own the system is horizon VR call of the mountain. Um, because I friggin love horizon, uh, both horizon games were, are awesome. I'm giant fans of them, uh, recent fan of them actually, cause I've only been playing them this year. I do not own a, the new Sony VR headset, obviously, cause it's not coming out yet. It's I don't think it's coming out until later this year. Uh, there's no release date yet on horizon VR. I would be surprised if it wasn't a launch title for it because I think it might be a system seller. Uh, game looks great, though. I mean, it looks it looks like Horizon. It looks like Horizon Forbidden West, just a VR version of it. Um, I'm super curious uh, how big the world is going to be because, like, Forbidden West has a massive world. Um, this one seems to be localized entirely on a mountain, so uh, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of climbing mechanics in it. So it's going to be going to be uh, work your arms, I guess. Um, and I love the idea of seeing the scale of some of these machines in VR. Um, VR is something that I've not experienced a ton of because I've never owned a VR system. But if anything can get me to try it, uh, Horizon is definitely the series that would do it. Um, has any is, have any of you actually played VR games or have a VR headset? Uh, I've dabbled a little bit. Uh but none of like the big titles. Yeah, so uh, I don't have a VR headset myself, but I have played like what was it Beat Saber? There you go. <laughs> I played that. Uh, yeah, Beat Saber seems like a great way to keep in shape. Yeah, no, honestly, it's it's cool. I'm, I'm curious to see how sort of that like technology could be used for a grand like open world like Horizon. I'm I'm curious about it. I mean, my my primary experience with VR is I went to a VR cafe on my 12th birthday. And back then, the technology wasn't quite as advanced as it is nowadays. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, I was tw I was 12, and I think the headset, like, 
I don't think the headset actually, I know it didn't fit me. I think they had to put like a hat on me and then put the headset on my head <laughs> and on the hat. And then it was so heavy that I like tipped over. Um, that was unfortunately a store that did not last very long. That was back in the, the, the sad kind of days of the late nineties VR when it was like, VR is a thing. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 not yet. Unfortunately. Um, Anyway, so that was the state of play. There were a ton of other games announced, including like uh, Final Fa- or Final Fantasy, uh, including the Resident Evil 4 remake announcement, which I was surprised at because I think that Resident Evil 4 remake is the only one of the games that actually genuinely still holds up. And it just got a VR version like very recently. Um, but it will be interesting to see how they expand the story and stuff like that. So uh, it was a pretty good state of play, if I, in my opinion. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think they had some solid reviews there. Yeah. State of plays have gotten better in the last few years as Sony's realized that people just want gameplay. They don't want like lots of chatter. They just trailer, trailer, trailer. Cool. Yeah, it was it was a little dour for me at times. I, I, I like not the chatter, but a little bit of the uh, energy that comes with something like a Nintendo Direct or a lot of the things we saw here. But it's kind of hard to impeach the quality of what they showed. Well, you know, one thing that the state of play actually does have on Nintendo directs though, we actually get state of plays. So yeah. in my opinion, this <laughs> has been a, this state of play is a huge improvement over the Nintendo, the Nintendo naughty three, uh, direct because they actually, you know, had one did something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, okay. I'm not being fair because there was that like 32nd Nintendo reference in the summer gaming fest which was just like, oh, okay, Nintendo's here for some reason, and that's it. It looked like a commercial <laughs> you'd see on TV, more or less. <laughs> Dude, that was, that was Jeff's big get. He had the only Nintendo presence at Not E3. Um, but let's move on now to uh, day one of Not E3. So this was back on Thursday, uh, and there were a few shows on this day, including Summer Gaming Fest, Day of the Devs, and Devolver Marketing Countdown to Marketing. Uh, and uh, so we're going to talk about some of the games we saw on this day. We're going to start with Mario, uh, with a game that Mike and I hotly debated this one. Ooh. Because it's, although it does have RPG mechanics and a storyline and stuff like that, it doesn't quite fit into our coverage. But eventually we just decided, you know what? It's too darn cute not to cover. So <laughs> it's Bear and Breakfast. Uh, this yeah. was introduced during Tim Schafer's Day of the Devs. I love Day of the Devs. I think it's a great show. And I love Tim Schafer. I just replayed uh, Day of the Tentacle and Full Throttle remasters, both holding up really, really well. Uh, and this is a great show. So what did you really like about this reveal, Mario? Yeah, honestly, my taste in games is very simple. I see a bear running a bed and breakfast, and I'm down. So yeah, I've been following this game for a while. So I'm glad like to get a release date and to get more footage of it. And yeah, I think that... I'm very curious to see where the story will go, but just like the premise itself is already enough. Like I'm sold. Like it's, it's going to be a good time. It's pretty adorable. It's a management adventure game where you run a bed and breakfast in the woods and you're a bear. So uh, it's, that's pretty adorable. And the idea I guess is that humans are coming back to the woods for the first time in years. And as an entrepreneurial bear, uh, you decide to fix up the old cabins and stuff like that and start a B and B and, uh, to me, that that screams of, I mean, first off, it sounds like a Yogi Bear remake. Yeah. <laughs> um, like if they could have gotten that, uh, if they could have gotten that property, that would have been amazing. Uh, anyway, you need to, you know, complete quests, find materials to craft furniture and rebuild places and just make the humans as comfy as possible. And it comes out on July 28th this year, which is my birthday. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so that seems like a nice little present. Yeah. And it definitely seems to be some sort of mystery involved with the forest and the woods. So I'm curious to see how that will unfold. Um, but yeah, it just looks like a very solid 
management sim. Yeah, they talk a lot about in the in the trailer how they uh, they didn't just want like a management sim, which there are an abundance of nowadays, and some of them are very very good. Um, they wanted a a storyline alongside that, so that's the reason I think we're covering it. Really, it's because if it was just a management sim, we'd be like, eh, yeah, it's cool, but it's not us. But the the storyline alongside it and the uh, RPG type mechanics and things like that. Yeah, it's enough for us. Uh, I think of the games we're talking about, this one wins the Charm Award. Uh, <laughs> I th- this was one it's of my really favorite charming, trailers yeah. that I watched this week. I don't know if the game is quite going to be for me. I'm not big into the, the management sim so much, but I'm sure I'm going to love all mm-hmm. the screenshots to come out of this one. I'm hoping that there are elements of the little cartoon trailer that are in there because I do like the idea of the bear being just really bad at his job. Yeah. That's, it's a really charming um, take on it, yeah. <laughs> just the bear doing his best. Yeah, he, he's just doing what he can. Bear named Hank. <laughs> I'm not expecting this to be, you know, necessarily a game that I play a whole lot of, but I expect it to be one I watch a lot of people I love playing. <laughs> I, I have a lot of family members who will be very into this, but, and I look forward to watching their entire playthroughs. I think this is a game I might give a shot at when it comes out on my birthday. Um Another game that has been announced uh, a while ago, but we've gotten some brand new footage uh, this year, was Marvel Midnight Suns. Uh, I am a huge Marvel Comics fan, uh, and I love the fact that they're diving into the magical side of the Marvel Universe, which is something that the movies have only just started to do after doing some cosmic stuff. Uh, Wes, you this, this one really caught your eye, I know for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> tell me what you uh, think about Midnight Suns. Well, aside from, you know, obviously love Marvel Comics, it's just kind of my jam, um... Midnight Suns is the specific piece of the Marvel universe and, you know, stars a lot of lesser known Marvel characters. But, you know, with this, in order to kind of like give you a bigger roster, they're throwing more and more people in there. Like they showed off Spider-Man is going to be in there for the first time. Um, And while all of that's really exciting, maybe the most exciting thing is just the fact that um, for Axis's brand of tactical RPGs, it really, really hits home for me. And the idea of marrying that with... A cards-based system, which is very much my kind of thing as well, um, and a property that I genuinely care about, and these weird arcane versions of each of these characters. The the armor that they showed off um, for a lot of your party members that you can upgrade into is just absolutely out of field wild. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to see how this is going to play and how it's kind of going to be similar and different from XCOM especially. I love the look and I love the concept. Card mechanics are not my thing. They they always turn me off, but this is the kind of game I would be willing to give a shot at. Frankly, the only thing I want from this game, I just want a game where Tony and Reed are just snarky about magic nonstop and are constantly <laughs> saying how it doesn't really exist despite all of the evidence happening around them. <laughs> I think there's space for this. I, that's my favorite trait of Tony. Tony just being like, Magic is crap, doesn't exist. And like Thor is standing next to him with a <laughs> yeah. magic hammer looking We're at him like you're absolutely confronted with it. <laughs> yeah, and I have to admit that the only thing that's making me a little bit worried is that I think some of the costumes that I've been seeing look a little bit like action figure variant figures from the 90s. Like, absolutely do. <laughs> yeah, like the, I don't know, I'm just making one up like the the underwater scuba adventurer Leonardo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action <laughs> yeah. figure, like that kind of yeah. thing where it's just like, this is, this is like magician apprentice raff or something like that from from what i've gathered these are like gear based upgrade based and that is enough for me to deal with a lot of really goofy looks if i know i'm going to keep getting upgrades and it's going to keep changing um i will deal with upgrading into something silly looking because it's still a visual upgrade (laughs) i read somewhere the reason why they didn't want to go full tactical uh for this game was because the idea of like i don't know 
Tony missing or like that or like one of them hiding for cover or that kind of thing uh, didn't quite work. So the card mechanic sort of replaced that. And that's fairly clever. I like that. I'm very curious if the card mechanics are actually going to be like woven into the game, uh, the game story as sort of a tarot thing. Yeah, with Doctor Strange being front and center through a lot of this, they could actually make space for, you know, these cards to be something in game, something diegetic that actually lives in the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would like to see that. I'd like to see them really integrate that in there. And I mean, some of this, like Demon Demon Venom and Demon Hulk, um, yeah, they look cool, but at the same time, it's like, all right, we'll see how it works in game. Yeah, I get the feeling it's going to be bosses that you beat to recruit the characters. Yeah, you got to like break the curse on them. Yeah, that's my call shot. Uh, and this thing comes out on October 7th, 2022. So it's actually coming out pretty soon. It got delayed from, I want to say it was March originally, but you know, if they're taking more time for it, I'd rather it come out with the shine it needs. You know what? That's my general philosophy about any game getting delayed. If a game gets delayed, my response is never, damn, my response is always, good, it will be better when it releases. Exactly. Um, I want to move on very quickly. You had two games you wanted to talk about today. Uh, oh, sorry. Does anyone have anything else they would like to say about... Uh about uh marvel magic magic jam <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's it <laughs> that's that's the title <laughs> i think this one is going to be pretty good i'm excited about the card mechanics i think it's like a very different kind of randomness than the missing right where it's like with a missing system it's like the randomness happens after you commit to an action whereas with cards it's the randomness happens and then you commit to an action and i like that a little better uh, also, I feel like we're very quickly running out of time to make Morbius memes. So I do feel the need to point out that Morbius is in the Midnight Suns comics. So he's not off the table for this game necessarily. There's still months that they oh, can God. shove in some Morbin time memes. Yeah, I feel like the Morbin time memes aren't going to die. They're, they're here to stay. <laughs> I think one of my favorite uh, meme things on Twitter that I've seen recently, I haven't seen Morbius uh, to be in full di- full disclosure. I don't plan to see Morbius. Um <laughs> Full disclosure, I, I think that not seeing Morbius actually probably makes the memes better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same boat. I think that, yeah. And definitely more people are memeing about it than have seen the movie. Yeah, there's a Twitter channel and all it does is take a clip from that movie of Matt Smith dancing and pairing it with various songs. And someone paired it to Friday Night from Yakuza and it was amazing. Oh my God. Perfection. That's amazing. It was perfection. Um, yeah, okay, maybe Morbius will be in this and maybe because of, you know, variations they'll have a morbid time morbius morbius dlc would yeah that would that would get the internet going morbius dlc yep only problem is no one would actually buy it um <laughs> they just meme it they just meme um, it, yeah yeah well moving on uh wes another game that you want to talk about today was one piece odyssey yeah, i figured someone needs to bring this up because i know that there's a lot of overlap between you know rpg fans and anime fans and especially one piece you know having been out there for a lot of people's like most of their lives i think it Um, came out in 97 yeah it's it's been around um but this is looking kind of promising because we've always wanted a good one piece game and the closest i think we've gotten by most people's reckoning is one piece pirate warriors and muso games are not for everybody they are for me but i understand it um but the idea of you know bandai namco their internal development studios getting a crack at one piece because they're they're established. I think at worst it'll be a somewhat average RPG, but having the One Piece property on there is going to elevate it for a lot of people. You don't need to knock it out of the park to make this a really impressive showing for fans of the uh, the anime and manga. Yeah, for those who don't know One Piece, including myself actually, I have no background with this property at all. But from what I can tell, it's anime pirates visit a weird island and there are turn-based fights. Sure. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, 
And uh, I mean, I know it's anime, but the style of graphics kind of reminds me a little bit of Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah, I'm getting those vibes from it too, actually. Actually, yeah. Well, it's one of those things. One Piece has been around so long. It's it's got that more simplistic art style going for it, which kind of lends itself well to like comparisons to Toriyama. <laughs> uh, and this is coming out later this year, so it's not exactly. This is another one of the a lot of titles that get announced at these shows. You know, it's 2023. And because my brain is stuck in 2020, whenever I see a game coming out in 2023, I'm like, why are you even announcing it? That's like years in the future. <laughs> oh, nope. Nope. That's that's a year from now. Less than a year from now. Whoops. Um, or is anyone else on this uh, on uh, the panel a fan of One Piece? Well, that's a good thing I was here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Cricket. I haven't consumed any One Piece media, but um, I'm curious about this game, though. I'll... I'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, that's how I feel, too. I watched it when I was a kid on Toonami. Uh, so maybe if it's good, I'll uh, reintroduce myself to the series. Yeah, it seems like they wanted to appeal to non-fans as well. So they're doing it as a little set aside. You know, they're not recovering any anime stories or anything. I think that's a smart plan when it comes to this kind of thing. Just do a standalone story using the characters. Um and you can bring in new fans. And if it brings in new fans, that's great because it turns out they're going to have, like if I played this and I enjoyed it, I would have a lot to dive into uh, from One Piece over the uh, many, almost 30 years uh, of content. Um, okay, uh, Brian, we're moving right along here. Let's talk about uh, Honkai Star Rail. So this is a title from the same developer as Genshin Impact. Uh, it's the fourth title in the Honkai series. It's like a big space sci-fi RPG, which generally isn't usually my cup of tea but i respect a great deal um basically my takeaway from this trailer was trains in space yeah that was kind of my takeaway too i haven't played a honkai game uh i play genshin from time to time but i i just saw this trailer and i thought it looked so cool uh, trains in space i thought the art looked beautiful the combat looked fun that i feel can always be a little deceptive in uh like our rpg space combat i think can often mm-hmm. look really fun in trailers and then you play it and it's not that fun. But the trailer looked fun. Uh, so this is definitely one that I want to keep my eye on because, you know, cool art, trains in space, uh, fun looking combat. Yep. That that checks three important boxes for me. I didn't know trains in space was an important box for me, but it is. There's been, there have been certain themes in this year's uh, Not E3 uh, one of which has been space. Yeah, space um, has been a big one. Space has been a big one. That was even Jeff even made a joke about it in the Summer Games Fest, and we in the RPG fan chat we've been joking about it nonstop. That whenever whenever a trailer features space, uh, we are all like space, space, like space fear uh, from Portal Two, um, because and it's been happening a lot. Uh, another one has been trains. There had been well trains in space with Honkai Star Rail. Uh, there's also the what is it? Choo Choo Charlie. It's like based off a Stephen King character. And it's just like a clown spider train horror game, which looks to be kind of interesting. Um, and then there's another one, which is like a train that goes through, uh, I think purgatory. Uh, there's been a lot of trains this year. I am. I'm here for trains in space week. Both of those appeal to me. <laughs> you're a, you're a, you're a video game train spotter. Uh, well, this game is currently in its second beta. Oh, it's free to play too for anyone out there. Uh, whether or not that's an interesting, exciting thing for you or if it instantly turns you off, that's a personal choice. Uh, so it's in its second beta, so it should be out relatively soon. We don't know when, uh, but so, I mean, I would bet 2022 at some point. 
Um, yeah, there have been a, there have been a few free to play games this year which actually caught my interest, including the one that's from uh, many of the developers of uh, uh, Warcraft and Starcraft. Oh, what's it called? Oh, I had it written down, um, but it looks really really good. And they had a trailer where they're as advertising they're like no NFTs, and instantly I was like, oh, no NFTs, eh? I like this pitch. <laughs> yeah, we reached that point where. No NFTs is a selling point. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, when they said that, I was like, oh, that's nice. And then I was like, but it's really sad that uh, I'm excited about that. <laughs> it's so funny. It's not, I don't want NFTs in my games. Like, I, I don't at all. But for me, it's not NFT integration into the games that that makes me the most crazy. It's friggin' companies talking about NFTs in games. Because it just becomes the most, like, bullshit marketing <laughs> uh, like video game marketing speak you could possibly imagine it's just like oh god will you guys shut up about this yeah it's just so clearly like just not about like this no practical sort of knowledge of the gaming space i don't know yeah, it's a lot yeah it drives me crazy that they're like imagine that you can get a sword in like diablo and then you can use that sword in forza and I'm like, what the hell are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? No, you can't. Video games do not work like that. Like, do you really want to try to force every game company to, like, integrate other people's content into the games to satisfy a marketplace that really doesn't benefit them all that much? That doesn't seem likely. I think the other issue that I have with all the marketing is, like, even if all of that was true, right? Like, if there was a market for, like, you know, get your sword in Diablo, use it in Forza, you wouldn't need NFTs <laughs> for that. We could have done that years no, ago. We just didn't want to. <laughs> I mean, it might get me to play Forza, but... Really, it's what Forza's been missing. Yeah, it's only what Forza isn't missing. Ridiculous graphics. I've noticed that it doesn't matter. Like, racing games are the best showcase for next-gen graphics that there ever has been. Cars never look as good as when they're fake and driving around a fake track in a video game. Yeah, I thought that Forza Hot Wheels trailer was great with the uh, with the rock somewhere over the rainbow song. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and like the technology, like they're talking about like time of day mechanics and weather mechanics and like the way they've designed the ground and individual rocks. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I would love that if it was open world. It's not because I have to drive around a circle. <laughs> but yeah, that that the, it looks amazing. Anyway, we're going to dive into another video game, uh, another video game property right now, which is this has not been announced at Naughty 3. Uh, this has been announced a long time ago, but we got some more footage of it, uh, which is Gotham Knights. Um I was super excited about Gotham Knights. Um, I was super excited that it had RPG mechanics in it. And like in early things, you like even villains were like, they were bleeding numbers. Uh, and it looked like there was so much customization and it's progressively looked less and less like an RPG with every preview that comes out, which I imagine it could be a marketing decision or it could be a shift in development. I don't know. Uh, I am someone who actually very much the, the developer behind this is the same one that developed Arkham Origins, which for many is considered to be the least successful Arkham game. I actually really, really enjoyed it. I really liked Arkham Origins. I might even have enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Arkham Knight. Uh, so I'm actually super hopeful about this game. But every single time I watch a trailer from it or they release something about it, I just feel it less and less and less. And I'm really hoping that I'm wrong here about it. Yeah, I was over the moon about this when it was announced especially because i'm i'm more into the bat family than i am into batman himself and this just hit all of those those little perks but it's a lot more fiddly it seems like they want you to gear hunt more than than anything and it's going to be one of those okay how do you optimize the the mods that you have on this piece of arbor than um than anything yeah i mean i guess there are those things where obviously there's going to be costumes and stuff like that but i don't know 
and completely honest, I saw someone on Twitter say this, and I I can't remember who it was, but I agree 100%. I can't understand why they're not featuring Dick's butt more uh, in the trailers, because that's that's the entire point of Dick Grayson. Exactly. Is that Dick Grayson has the nicest butt in all of the DC universe, arguably in comics in general. Just why are you going to put Nightwing in there? It's just a waste. And not feature his butt in like every single thing. And just like not have people tease him about it because that's again the point of Dick Grayson. It's Dick Grayson has slept with more characters in DC than I'm trying to think what his analog in in Marvel would be. Hawkeye probably. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm uh, I'm hopeful that this game is going to turn out fantastic. I am actually looking forward to it more than I am Suicide Squad. Uh, Suicide Squad looks a little bit more uh, like a more I don't know colorful irreverent take on uh, the Arkham style of gameplay. I'm a little bit concerned about that because I, I love Arkham for its tone. And that seems like it's going in a very different direction. Uh, whereas this seems to be continuing the tone of the Arkham games, even though it's not connected through continuity. And this design of Gotham City is completely different. But I am excited to get to experience another version of Gotham City. I don't think it's going to be as good as, as uh, Arkham City's version, but we'll see. Anyway, that was the first day of uh, not E3. And it was a bit of a letdown for me. Summer Gaming Fest did not... Uh, it did not scratch any itches for me. There was a lot of space, a lot of space, a lot of shooters. Um, I fully recognize that not everything is for me. And whenever I watch game trailers and things like that, I try to keep that in mind. But at the same time, it was just, there wasn't a ton for me on this day. There's some good stuff in Day of the Devs, I thought. But uh, yeah, not really, a, not really a day for RPG fans, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I feel like it was not a day for me. <laughs> yeah, the Gaming Fest presentation put me into a bit of a coma for a, a bit of it, but mm, that's okay because we have other days. Other days are happening, um, including day two, which uh, there were a number of shows. We're just going to focus on the the bigger ones here. Uh, so day two, the big ones would have been the IGN Expo and the Freedom Game Showcase. So uh, I was impressed with the IGN Expo and just how much IGN's uh, expos and presentations have improved since 2020. I remember their first one was almost unwatchable. It was so bad. And this one was really, really solid. It was uh, like focus on the games. And that's what people want from these things. And it really benefited from comparison to the uh, the Summer Games Fest. Like it did. It felt like it had so much more momentum uh, than that first show did and so much more variety. I was so disappointed because I suppose I shouldn't have felt this. But like when when Jeff started to, uh, I guess, uh, restrain expectations for the show, Part of me was like, I think he's doing this to build some hype and to like, you know, he's going to have some big surprises and things. And it, it turns out, no, he he genuinely knew the problem and he was really trying to reduce hype and it just didn't work. Oh, well. Um, but there were some absolutely outstanding games announced, uh, outstanding looking games announced uh, on this day and featured. Uh, so, Mario, let's take a look at yours first. The one you wanted to talk about, which is Nine Years of Shadows, which is a damn good looking pixel art Metro Metroidvania. Yeah, no, Nine Years of Shadows looks great. Um the side-scrolling Metroidvania, going through a castle. Like, it just looks like classic, classic Metroidvania. Obviously, the, the yeah, following the Vania part of the Metroidvania. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Vania part of it. But yeah, no, it, it just looks great. Like, apparently you can, like, switch between, like, elemental armors and, like, the footage showed, like, different traversal mechanics. And yeah, it just looks great. And to top it all off, the character has, like, this teddy bear. It's like a ghost teddy bear or something. Like, I'm just, like, I, I was in once I saw that. It... It just looks great to me. Yep, cute teddy bear sidekick. There's another theme of the year, which is bears. Yeah, bears. <laughs> a lot of bears in this year's Naughty 3. Agreed. I think it looks great too. Uh, the main character, Europa, is trying to undo a nine-year-old curse that befell the world. 
Um, and like you said, you can switch between elemental armor. Uh, it's coming out fourth quarter this year, apparently. It looks really good. Pixel art is gorgeous. Uh, some silky smooth animation too. Yeah. So it, that's really, really important. Uh, I think it's going to, it looks like a fantastic, uh, fantastic game. That's really up my alley too. Yeah. And it looks like really fluid movement. Like I think if you get those right for a Metroidvania, that's just, that's, yeah, that's, it's good. <laughs> I thought this one looked pretty cool. The one thing I'll be interested to see is one of the things that really grabbed me about the trailer is when it started in black and white. I thought it looked really nice and I was like, wow, that's a really interesting creative choice. And then and you know, then it goes into color and I was <laughs> and it still looks great. But I, I hope they actually make some use of that black and white because I, I just thought that looked so cool. Yeah, it kind yeah. of reminded me of like classic horror. Uh, films yeah no it was a cool aesthetic definitely I, yeah i wonder if that'd be cool if there's like a certain part of the level or something that's like that like yeah it would be nice to see that be used well let's move on now to uh wes's uh choice for uh the second day of not e3 which is the unliving uh which looks to be a super cool mix between an action rpg and roguelike this just spoke to me instantly um I, I'm not like big into you know grim and dark, but I still love necromancer classes in games just because I love pet classes and they tend to get hordes uh, coming up with them. And that definitely seems to be the order of the day in the unliving. Um, it, it almost seems to have a little bit of like Overlord or Pikmin or something <laughs> built in where all your minions seem to be surrounding you at all times and they're doing all the work as you just kind of guide them around. The idea that you can, you know, sacrifice some of them for bigger, more bombastic attacks. So you're constantly doing this back and forth. You know, how can I replenish my ranks? How often can I use these abilities? Um, plus, just the chaos on screen seems like you can track it. You can actually see what's going on. But it still is this absolutely chaotic, you know, tidal wave of creatures that you're coming down to bear. Uh, all of which combines into, you know, not to mention my love for roguelikes already existing. Um, mm. This trip you know like six of my triggers at one time <laughs> yeah it has uh it has the usual roguelike mechanics and as a necromancer when you die you rise again which actually makes sense story-wise which is nice yeah it's a, it's a rare treat to actually have the roguelike part actually enforced in the story <laughs> and you uh obviously your your enemies become your allies as you destroy them and then rise them up as you know your 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 pals uh necromancer away um it it looks really cool it has some really nice pixel art as well that kind of merges uh like almost a cute style but with some nice horror as well um this is going to be going into early access at the end of october so october 31st which is an appropriate date for a game called the unliving and i think it looks pretty cool i think this one looks pretty cool i Similarly, am uh, attracted to the the necromancer archetype. Um, I know it's a little played out, but I actually love a zombie game. You know, I was always a big hmm. Resident Evil fan, and then whenever I play D and D, I like to play a necromancer. So this this game's checking a lot of boxes for me in that regard. So I think it'll be cool. I'm definitely going to try this one. Yeah, necromancers were another uh, another bit of a theme in this not E3. There was a big necromancer reveal today for uh, uh, Diablo Four, which yeah. is a game that. Yeah. Yeah, we have, you know, com we have complicated issues with Blizzard, uh, which have not been resolved as of yet. But, you know, it looked like there was some interesting gameplay there. Yeah, who would have expected, like, space, bears, and necromancers as the, <laughs> the winning mix? Space, bears, and necromancers, oh my. And trains. And trains. <laughs> Choo-choo. Uh, someone needs to just put all of those in the same game, and then they would have the ultimate <laughs> not E3 2020 title. Um and there's still a show, there's still one or two shows left, so who knows, that might just happen. Uh, Brian, let's move on now. So we're going to 
touch on this because this is technically not something that we cover. It's RPG adjacent. Um, I'm still undecided whether or not the River City games are technically RPGs, whether they're they're brawlers, uh, beat 'em up brawlers, but there are RPG mechanics in them. So I, you wanted to talk briefly about uh, River City Saga Three Kingdoms. Yeah. Uh, I love the River City games. I do think they're RPGs, but we can have that discussion later. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> And have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love these games. I loved them when I was younger, so to see them kind of updating the aesthetic and the return of the, the River City series in the last few years uh, has been really nice. I also love the Three Kingdom settings. Uh, I like the Musou games, uh, the Total War game with the Three Kingdom setting as well. So this was a nice merging of... Uh, Two things I enjoy. I thought the gameplay looked really good. I love the the cutaways they do to the little like animated big powerful attacks. Um, yeah, beat 'em up fans are eating well in the last couple of years, and it's looking like that's going to continue for a bit. Yeah, uh, especially in the next like between this and River City Girls Two and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, it's a good time to be a beat 'em up fan. Okay, I know it's not an RPG, but screw it. Who's excited for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge? I'm excited. So for excited. I'm beyond excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, anyone who ever played Turtles in Time is like losing their minds about this thing. And they threw Casey Jones in the mix with this one. Oh, yeah, they throw in six players to the mix. Yeah, it's basically giving giving players who, of who love those games everything that they possibly could have hoped for. It's it, and it looks really, really good. And they've done a remix of the animated, the original animated series uh, uh, theme song, and the graphics and the voice actors from the '80s series are back. It just looks real good. Yeah, it looks sick. Anyway, uh, River City Saga is coming out on July 21st, 2022. So this is coming out pretty soon. I think it's coming out before River City Girls 2, is it? I don't think we have a a release date for River City Girls 2 yet. Supposed to be summer this year, but I don't think we have a date yet. I'm really surprised that we didn't hear anything about it at this naughty 3. Well, that leads me to believe maybe not this summer. (laughs) But in theory, it's supposed to be this summer. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it's way forward, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love way forward. I think it might be one of my favorite retro style developers. Um, anyway, moving on to something that we actually do cover one hundred percent is Symphony of War, uh, the Nephilim Saga, uh, which is a tactical RPG uh, that got surprisingly shadow dropped in its announcement. Now, I love me a good shadow drop. Uh, I love a good surprise launch of a video game, uh, and this seems like it's a real winner for that kind of thing. So. Uh, why are you excited about this one, Brian? Well, I'm a, a massive Fire Emblem fan, so whenever I see a grid and a support system, my eyes go wide a little bit. <laughs> and I think this one looks pretty cool. The presentation's great. They have that support system, but it seems like there's more of a unit and army building component to it than Fire Emblem, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks. It feels a little bit more like Ogre Battle than Fire yeah, Emblem. Yeah, definitely some Ogre Battle influence. It looks like they have... 50 plus classes and i thought this was kind of cool each unit is like you have a commanding officer and then you fill out their army um so you can have like one commander and then like four infantry or like two infantry and two horsemen that looks kind of cool i think that's an interesting direction to take it another thing i think is interesting about this game is that it is an RPG Maker game, but it's not what an RPG Maker game usually looks like, right? Like usually those are your your typical turn-based RPGs, which I think is interesting and also has me slightly concerned just because this seems like... I'm impressed they were able to do this with the engine, but mm. 
I'm, I will just be surprised. I, I would think there would have been some limitations with that engine, but maybe not because I know there are other work with um, this developer has done other RPG maker games that have been very good, but this is the first tactics one they've done. So I will be very interested to see how this engine handles that. Well, the good news is that while I'm not going to disclose what it got, Audra is currently in the process of reviewing this and uh, I've been hearing some good things about it. So uh, that bodes well. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to read that review uh, once it's uh, published. Which it should be pretty soon. Uh, obviously, right now, the staff is a little bit... Uh, <laughs> reviews are not on our mind right now. Right now, the <laughs> focus is on news. Because there is a lot of it. Uh, as you can tell, because we've only been talking about like five games. And we're already like a half hour into this podcast. Uh, if anyone is interested in this and loves Ogre Battle or Fire Emblem or just tactical RPGs in general, apparently uh, it's also 20% off right now until June 18th. So uh, if you listen to this when this episode comes out, you'll still have a few days to take a look at it. Yeah, it's looking absolutely amazing. Um, I especially like the sprite work uh, on the, the units, especially as you upgrade them. Oh. Yeah, the sprite work's real nice. That was beautiful. Looks so good. No, it looks, it looks very... It, it's a beautiful looking game especially considering its its origins you don't really expect that from a uh, uh that kind of an engine yeah well i think that's been the big difference maker between the rpg maker games that have been really successful and the ones that aren't the really successful ones seem to you know really make all of their own assets and a lot of them can look really great yeah i think that rpg maker games i've never i mean i've used it just playing with it years and years ago uh, I've never created a game with it or anything like that, but it seems like it's a useful tool for learning how to make a game. Um, and then you can use that in other ways. And actually there are similar, uh, I guess you could say user-friendly or beginner uh, game engines out there for other uh, genres like the uh, adventure game engine, uh, which started out, uh, you know, is just like a lot of fan games and and people have taken those games and they've evolved into, frankly, a next generation of adventure games uh, that are very, very polished, like Unavowed, uh, which is one of my favorites, um, and, just, and many, many others. There's a new one coming out in a few months, uh, his next game, which, uh, was his name Dave Gilbert? Yeah, uh, which it looks really cool. So, you know, th these can be really, really great starting places for developers. And especially if they really learn how to use the tools, they can create something quite special. And it looks like this might be something quite special. Um, something else that is theoretically quite special uh, and has recently moved release from this year to 2023. And again, I have no problem with that is Sacrifier. Um, this is an homage to classic SNES RPGs, pixel art uh, styles, um, it utilizes a similar graphical style to HD 2D, but it's not Square Enix, so it's not HD 2D. It's kind of like a, I don't, what, what would we say? It's a, it's, it's not a ripoff of that because I don't think they've like copywritten HD 2D, at least not the style. They probably copywritten the name, but uh, it, it utilizes that sense of like depth that makes it look like a Super Nintendo game, but much, much more higher fidelity. Um, this has action RPG combat with some turn-based elements, some voice acting apparently it's planning to subvert many of the traditional rpg uh jrpg tropes and things like that uh i know that a lot of people on staff are really excited about this and i know that some people are bummed out that it got moved a year ahead but if they need that extra time take that extra time i think it'll it'll make it a better game it's not like we don't have enough for 2022 already Whew. yeah and as you said earlier delays are worth it more often than not so we can wait <laughs> 
Uh, same goes for just release dates that are far out in the future. I'd rather wait and get something really good. In the far off year of 2023. Still feels way too far in the future. 2015 still feels like the future, and I'm playing Back to the Future <laughs> for that. Like 2016 seems like years ago. 2015 seems like it's still 30 years from now. Well, I was going to say that I feel just like timeline wise, like my brain just stopped at 2012. Like anything after that just seems like the future to me. <laughs> yeah, they were wrong. The end of history wasn't at the beginning of the 1990s. <laughs> it was now. And I actually believe that. Anyway, uh, what this is not the end of, however, is Naughty 3. Because we're only at the end of the second day. And the third day is where the things the things picked up a little bit for us. Uh, first two days were a little bit light on RPG adventure games, that kind of thing. Uh, primarily because they really did focus on a lot of, uh, well, shooters in space, uh, as we mentioned. But Guerrilla Collective, Wholesome Games Direct, both featured tons of games that we are pretty excited about. And there was also the Future of Play Direct and the Future Games Show. Um, One of the games that came out of the Wholesome Games Direct, which if you have not seen the Wholesome Games Direct, uh, maybe check out the live stream. It's it's absolutely hysterical, not not in a making fun of kind of way. It's just really funny because it's genuinely like the most cozy, wholesome thing you could possibly imagine. It just turns the whole concept of the games show on its head uh, and just really focuses on some games that are often smaller, but also focus on uh, ways to relax, calm yourself. They're wholesome. And one of those wholesome games that was announced was Paper Animal RPG. And Mario, this is a game that you were, uh, caught your eye. Yeah, Paper Animal RPG. Just looking even at like, that like artwork, it just looks so cute. Like, it's just, yeah, I I fell in love with it as soon as I saw it. But um, yeah, and then like, so okay, so basically, it's an RPG roguelike where you are these cute animals and it's got that sort of mystery dungeon and paper mario inspiration so yeah this is just this is right up my alley i grew up on like these rpgs with nintendo systems like ds n64 all that stuff so these are like inspirations definitely speak to me um and yeah it just looks great it's on kickstarter i think right now or like it's about to be on kickstarter so it's about to i don't think they're I don't think their campaign is opened yet, but you can add yourself onto it so you can be alerted when it does start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's still a ways away, but it, yeah, it looks great. And like, yeah, I definitely want to support this. It's yeah. And it's got roguelite elements. That's cool. That's dope. Yeah. Procedurally generated map or they, they say it's a, it's a board game size world uh, that's generated at the beginning. So each playthrough is completely different and con is done on the map itself. I have to admit, I'm not sure why they're calling it paper when it's clearly pixel-based. Yeah, it looks more pixely than paper. Yeah, it's not exactly the Paper Mario aesthetic. Yeah, because the Paper Mario aesthetic, which was, uh, I think, most recently emulated by, is it Bug's Tale? Oh, Bug Fables. Bug Fables Fables Fables. is really good. That's another, like, I'm here for this Paper Mario revival that's been happening recently. (laughs) Yeah, Alana, I remember when Alana uh, played it, she really, really liked it. Um, And... uh, but then again, for all we know, like you said, it's going on Kickstarter this summer and based on like time to build games and things like that could be two years in the future. So for all we know, the paper style could be still to come. And this is more of a prototype than anything. That's true. Yeah, I know for sure. Because, yeah, I think like the artwork they have, like the concept art at least is like that looks more like the papery aesthetic. But like the game itself looks very much more pixely. Yeah. So it might be it might be a work in progress. Yeah, for sure. But either way, looks really cute. You can like cook and like start a campfire with your party or whatever so yeah this this looks great this takes my boxes yeah same here 
they they had me with every bit of this even just saying like board game sized world i don't know i love board games a lot and this is like okay i'll add that to my pile of things in the wind column yeah yeah it looks like a mystery dungeon board game basically and i think that that is very attractive to a lot of people brian do you have any experience with these games Uh, i I don't have a ton of thoughts on this one besides that i think it looks really cute uh but i want to see a little more before i quite know if it's for me but i love the aesthetic i gotta be honest paper mario is a game that i played super super paper mario but i've never actually played like a thousand year door has been on my backlog for years. It will be played eventually because, you know, it's considered to be one of the one of the great RPGs. Well, I mean one of the only RPGs for the GameCube. Yeah. But, <laughs> thousand uh, Year Door is a great one. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard amazing yeah, things. And that. it's a it's an aesthetic and a style that I very much appreciate. So uh I don't have any nostalgia going into paper animal RPG, but you know. Maybe I will once I play uh, more Paper Mario games. Who knows? Another thing that it looks like it could be inspired from Thousand Year Door, at least, is there's like, it looks like an audience in the in the game. There's like parts of the gameplay or the footage where it looks like there's like other animals like watching, and that's like a Thousand Year Door battle system thing. So if that's incorporated into this game, that'd be really cool too. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. From screenshots, I saw that it all takes place on a stage. So yeah, that's that's cool if they're incorporating that into this game too. Yeah, that could be really cool. Um... Another stage that many that many uh, combat happens on, but a very different kind of combat and a very different kind of stage is wrestling. And uh, a game was well, it was announced a while ago, but this is the first time we've gotten some really really good look at the footage. Is WrestleQuest, which has been a very hotly anticipated title, especially by certain people on staff who are wrestling fans. Wes, are you <laughs> excited for Wrestling Quest? Oh, I'm so excited for. It's wrestling called Wrestle Quest. Quest. It's not called Wrestling Quest. Uh, well, I think history will dictate. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm one of those, you know, big wrestling fans on staff. Uh, but I'm also a big fan of, you know, RPGs that take, um, you do something interesting thematically with their battle systems. And the thing that they showed off that was the most interesting here is the idea that you want to keep the fans happy. So every time you're in battle, you can't just jam on the attack button. You have to do interesting things, build up to maneuvers, use tag team maneuvers. There are all these things that you can do in battle that even if they're not the most effective thing to defeat the enemy, it will be useful later because you are amping up the crowd by doing that thing. And that appeals to me in a big way. Mm. Um, not to mention That's how they said you can... Year doors mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, that not only does that energize me a whole lot, they got a lot of wrestlers signed on like real life wrestlers who are you know hidden bosses and whatnot who can give you outfits and summons and that kind of stuff like i'm a sucker for outfits and games and for um kind of showing love to the so so-called source material is that the right term i think it's I think it's appropriate yeah i mean wrestling is it's funny I, I i don't follow wrestling at all but as a child uh many of my friends did that i hung out with so i know lots of wrestlers from my childhood including like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, two wrestlers that are featured in this game. Yeah, uh, like some of the biggest wrestlers, like the ones that you can know even if you're not a wrestling fan. I, uh, I'm i interested to see like who all they got and how, how wide-ranging it is, but it's cool to see like these are characters that people just know because they've existed in uh, the rest of pop culture for their entire careers. Yeah, uh, and it is a traditional classic JRPG, turn-based uh, it's exactly what you would expect from a turn-based RPG, uh, just with wrestling twists on it. Uh, wrestling moves, for example, seem to take the place of magic abilities. Uh, summons, you know, you can summon famous wrestlers to help you. 
So that's pretty cool. It's being, and there are a lot of wrestling games uh, on the horizon right now. And this is obviously the most unique in my opinion. And yeah. cl- clearly the one that I'm most excited about. <laughs> Honestly, even as a as a big wrestling fan who's looking forward to a few of those, this is absolutely the one I'm most excited for, uh, bar none. Yeah, because when you hear the pitch, you're like, turn-based JRPG based on wrestling? Done. Sold. <laughs> Was this made for me? I don't know. Do you have a Kickstarter? You don't have a Kickstarter? Take my money anyway. Yeah, that was my thought when I first saw this announcement. I was like, a pixel-based, turn-based wrestling RPG. So you've made a game to sell to me then. Um, (laughs) But I I think this game looks so cool. And I think it was a very smart move to pay whatever they had to pay to get the the rights to use the real-life wrestlers. Because there have been other wrestling games that, you know, use like their their knockoff Randy Savage or whatever. And it's just not the same. I think it's totally different than like in this game where it's we will actually fight Macho Man Randy Savage. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah, it makes the whole thing feel higher budget, higher, you know, more... More like a complete package. It does. And I think especially with those wrestlers, they are targeting a certain age range of wrestling fan that uh, this game could have some significant reach outside of JRPG fans. Yeah, I'm not too much of a wrestling fan myself, but like just incorporating those voices goes a long way, honestly. I feel like it would be good for the game's reach. Yeah, I mean, I'm not somebody who uh, would ever... Some people make fun of wrestling. It just seems to me that wrestling is a very very polished mix of uh over the top like almost pantomime acting with some ridiculously great stage combat like these people have to be extraordinarily well trained to uh, do a lot of these moves in a way that will not hurt you but will still be super athletic um and yeah there's you know people say wrestling is fake well so are comic books uh, and people love those. It's a form of entertainment. Yeah, it's not like anyone who's watching doesn't know it's fake unless they're, you know, in the single digit age range. <laughs> it's storylines. It's a soap opera just with, you know, cage matches, which would make most soap operas better. I General agree Hospital, more. cage match in General Hospital. Why not? Days of our lives spent hitting people with chairs. Um, anyway, this looks to be a pretty hot title, and uh, I'm actually really excited to see how it develops. And uh, there's currently a demo on Steam if anyone's interested in it. But another form of, uh, I guess, pastime that people watch on TV, which actually shares a little bit of DNA with wrestling now, is poker. Uh, This is a really strained transition, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, So there there was a game announced during uh, one of these shows. um, uh, I think it's called... Uh, Zoetti. Zoetti, uh, which is, it looks to be a rather intriguing mix of turn-based battles, roguelike gameplay, and poker yeah uh, i had not heard of this game before this trailer but i love roguelikes and i love card games you know i play the big text heavy rpgs and then i play the roguelikes with no story you know both ends of the spectrum um so when i saw this game i I thought it was pretty cool that it works in the actual cards with the poker hands because that's the way that this one works it's instead of like a, a slay the spire type game where you have custom cards that do things you get regular old poker cards and you do your attacks with poker hands. Yep, just a regular deck of playing cards. Yeah, so it's unlike other card roguelikes, there doesn't appear to be a deck building element. Your deck does not change. You always have the standard deck of cards. The way that you advance and get skills is you get abilities that are tied to specific hands. So like you might unlock an attack ability that you can perform when you have a pair 
uh, or one that you can perform when you have a flush. So you have to choose, do I want the really powerful ability that I'm not going to get that often because it's on on a flush or the weaker ability that I'll get to use all the time because I just need a pair, uh, which I think is an interesting dynamic. And it looks like maybe there's also some skills for you know, manipulating the cards in your hand to get yourself uh, better poker hands, which also seems interesting to me. In that way, it reminds me a bit of Dicey Dungeons, another game that I like, where they take something that I think people think of as totally random uh, and then add some strategy to it, which I think is fun. And I liked the presentation, too. I I don't know if we're actually going to cover this because I feel like the missing piece from the trailer is like, will there be narrative focus or not uh i'm on the same page as you with that uh at the moment considering it's turn-based battles yeah i mean that obviously is very rpg like but we'll see what the storyline this is still fairly early on the graphics remind me an awful lot of steam world quest which is a game that i was not a massive fan of although i was in the minority there now was that because of the graphics or did you just not like steam world quest i just didn't like steam oh that's fair enough um and I didn't much care for the card mechanics in it either, so... <laughs> oh, well, maybe this one won't be for you either, then, if you're not a, a card person. No, I'm not a deck builder kind of guy. Well, at least in this one, it's not a deck builder. You don't build a deck in this one. No, you just play poker. Put on a pair of, uh, put on a weird hat, a pair of mirrored shades, and uh, and have a uh, have a standoff on daytime TV. Yeah, fight some ogres. Uh, that being said, it looks like a very unique concept, which is something that is very welcome in, I think, the deck building genre, uh, roguelike genre. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a ton of deck building roguelikes, uh, and they've all become a little samey, I think, since Slay the Spire. Everyone's just kind of trying to make the next Slay the Spire. So I think this is uh, a unique take on it that is a little refreshing for me. Plus, there's not really a whole lot of, uh, uh, I mean, everyone knows playing cards. You don't really need to learn individual cards. You kind of just are like, oh, okay. Yeah, that probably will make it a little more accessible for people. Yeah. Uh, Are either of you a fan of poker and or deck builders? Both. I'm I'm all (laughs) about this one. The the strategy of plugging uh, your abilities into different hands is absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I've never seen anything quite like that, and I think that's what's going to set it apart. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not into deck builders too much myself, but I can play me a good game of spades. I'm really into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I like poker. Poker's fun, but it's, uh, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how the risk-reward mechanics, which are basically the reason why you play poker, uh, factor into this game. Uh, it, it seems like it has a lot of stuff going on in the background because, I mean, obviously you're not going to get a royal flush unless there's something you can do to manipulate the odds. And presumably royal flush will be like the, I don't know, the the big summon in this game that destroys the other party. Yeah, that's really the question is, uh, you know, what are the tools going to be to manipulate your hand and how much control will you have? Uh, that's the big question mark for me. But it's a roguelike card game, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that. Yep, but it might not be for me unfortunately, but that's okay. Like I said, not everything needs to be for me. Something that is for me, however, was my choice of the day, uh, which unfortunately we do not have a ton of information about. Uh, We just have a really short one minute trailer. It was a game called Sunday Gold, uh, and it appears to be a mix of a point and click adventure game with an RPG uh, turn-based mechanics. Uh, Yeah, please, I'll take that. from what I've seen, the style of the game is absolutely incredible. It kind of resembles a little bit of the, not the graphic style, but the the art design of Disco Elysium. Um, unfortunately, like I said, we only got about a minute of game 
uh, footage from this game, but it's already on my list of most anticipated. Uh, it's set in the near future. It's kind of like a noirish style. Uh, it just looks really, really, really cool. And the second I saw it, I was like, yeah, this looks awesome. This looks exactly the kind of game I want to play. Did anyone else have that reaction to it or did it just go over everyone's heads? I, I thought it looked neat, but this is one where I, I don't think I have seen enough yet. I, we only got a very small amount of the game in this trailer. Uh, not not quite enough to pique my interest, but enough that maybe another good trailer will get me there. Hopefully. I don't know. It's just the fact that two of my favorite genres are being mashed into each other. And not for the first time, obviously. There have been turn-based RPG mechanics put into adventure games before. Um but the way this one looks, the graphic style, everything about it just kind of, it really, really speaks to me. I just think it looks really neat. Well, that was on the third day. And I got to be completely honest, by the end of the third day, my energy was flagging. I was, I was damn tired by the end of the third day of not E3. But I had to push forward because we were heading towards the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. Uh, now I have seen surprisingly mixed reviews about this. I was a massive fan of this showcase. I thought they had some absolutely incredible looking games. Uh, there were some games I didn't really care about, but some people were like, this was a terrible presentation. And I'm like, I thought it was pretty good. Actually. I thought the number of games they showed was amazing. Uh, we also had the PC gaming show, which again, some really, really great games in there. Uh, and thankfully, they dropped some of the skit comedy that they had going last year that I thought made their show unwatchable. And I thought this was a very, very watchable show, not for two solid hours, but I thought it was a very, very watchable show because it did tend to go on a little bit long. Um, but there were some great games and some big surprises, too, uh, and some stuff that we fully expected, but we still got some really interesting information. So Mario, let's start off with you. Uh, the game that you re caught your attention was Ravenlock. Yeah, for sure. Which I described in the chat as Alice in Voxel Land. Basically, yeah. So Ravenlock, it's like an Alice in Wonderland slash Coraline kind of thing too. Um, yeah, so this one was during the Xbox Showcase. And yeah, it's a fairy tale action RPG with a really cool aesthetic. And I feel like that is what really called to me. It's like there's like these really cool colored and lighting like the enemies looked really interesting like there's like this like mushroom like zombie-ish kind of thing with like long limbs like it was it was cool it was i think just like the aesthetic of it was what caught my eye on that one yeah there's some really interesting and creepy and imaginative uh, enemy and character designs no for sure yeah so i feel like that's kind of just what really called to me on this one um and yeah i think that like i'm curious to see kind of what more of it yeah the, the world looks cool the enemies look cool it does have that like kind of darker fairy tale tone, which I think is really cool. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it looks like a pretty massive world as well. Uh, it's a unique looking game and I like, I love a unique graphic style and this certainly has it. Uh, it starts out with, it's just a little girl, like I think she's on a farm and she gets pulled into a mirror into this voxel based yeah. Wonderland kind of thing. Like it's really Alice in Wonderland vibes. Yeah, it really is, but I'm totally cool with that. Alice in Wonderland video game, that's, that's enough of a premise for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it just looks really cool and interesting. And like, yeah, I feel like a lot of the show wasn't necessarily like for me <laughs> for the Xbox mm -hmm. showcase, but I think that like this one really caught my eye with like its aesthetic and everything. I am. Um, I, I think this is a game that I'll definitely check out when it comes out. Yeah, I think it's, I forgot when they said it was going to be, I think next year, was it? It was 2023. Yeah. Uh, Wes and Brian, what were your thoughts about Ravenlock? Yeah, I, I don't have a ton to add here. I think it looks cool. I like the Alice in Wonderland vibes. I feel like Alice in Wonderland vibes are... It's easy to evoke Alice in Wonderland. 
uh, I think it's much harder to actually create that world in a way that works even remotely as well as Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's like you got to get the designs down and like the world environments down as well. Like it's a lot. It's a lot that needs to come together. Yeah. And if there's anything that breaks immersion, which is the thing about Alice in Wonderland and Alice the Looking Glass and those those stories is, yeah, they're nonsense and they exist in nonsense world. But those nonsense worlds behave. There are certain laws that are in those worlds. And as long as those laws are obeyed, our suspension of disbelief is continued. Um, and if they break those laws, we go, wait a sec, that didn't quite work. Uh, and sometimes video games that try to evoke that sense of Alice in Wonderland uh, don't work because of that. They just, they don't, they're, they're inherent, their inherent logic doesn't quite follow through. So hopefully this one does. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, one adventure game that I played over the last couple of years that I really, really liked and which kind of captured that sense of Alice in Wonderland in a very, very dark and creepy way, though, like a much more creepy way than uh, Alice in Wonderland or Ravenlock is uh, an adventure game called Fran Bow, which is a little girl who uh, lives in a, an asylum in the 1960s. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and it's it's very dark and bloody and medication. It, it's it's really dark and disturbing, yeah. but it creates such an amazing world. Uh, and the inherent logic of the game is always followed through that you, you buy it, you buy what's happening. It's absolutely stunning. Uh, highly, highly recommend it to anyone out there who's looking for a really good adventure game. Yeah, what was it called? Fran Bow, F-R-A-N space B-O-W. Okay, Great it. graphic style too. Um, oh, other characters who exist in a, a wonderland of sort uh, are some teenagers that exist in a very popular gaming series, uh, which has for years and years been PlayStation only. And guess what? It's not anymore. Uh, there was a massive announcement that came out and it's that finally, finally, you're going to be able to play Persona 5 Royal on PC and I guess Xbox as well, but I don't have an Xbox, so that's not as important to me. Wes, you were super pumped about this news. Well, I was over the moon, not only now that we're getting Persona 5 Royal on more con- uh, uh, platforms, uh, finally, PC players can can really jump on board, um, but that we're getting Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden. Um on consoles as well on on xbox which excites me uh because i do have an xbox (laughs) um (laughs) i think the most exciting one is the fact that we're getting persona 3 portable because persona 3 hasn't had a like a good playable version to pick up since the PlayStation three um, where they had fes uh, persona fes fest however you want to pronounce it on um, the PSN you know PS2 classic service mm. so this is this is a huge one um, being able to play persona 4 on a console again is also pretty big as that was previously released um, to steam only um, there is definitely going to be a little bit of descent on persona 3 the version that they chose to use um, the portable one uh, the persona 3 portable um, which for my money I, I think not many would argue that it plays a lot it's a lot easier to play um, being able to control your your party members fatigue, not being such a an oppressive uh, thing to deal with, um, but it does remove you know exploration being a 3D experience, most of the cutscenes being a 3D experience, um, a lot of stuff that's present in the original game is kind of lifted out to match the the PSP. And you know we're not on the PSP anymore. It would be nice if we could have some of those things back, but there is the understanding that you know the amount of money devoted to to porting these over 
um, probably wouldn't have allowed for that. Which is a shame. It is. It really is. It'd be nice to get a definitive version um, of Persona 3, but I'll take any version available to, to modern audiences as a good thing. I mean, who knows? We might at some point in the future, especially if uh, these games pick up some traction on Microsoft consoles. Yeah, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Uh, I'd love to see very definitive editions and or remakes at some point in the future, but Hey, for now, this is a good step. It's so dumb because I've been waiting for Persona 5 Royal to come out on PC for years now, and I have a PlayStation 5. I could easily buy it for PlayStation 5. (laughs) It's dumb, but at the same time, I'm like, I want to play it on my PC. Um, I don't know why, but I do know that it's going to be a day one purchase for me, and I'm finally going to get to play Persona 5 Royal, and I am unbelievably excited about that. And it also will give me the incentive to uh, get through uh, Persona 4 Golden before that, which I also own on PC. So I'm going to be diving deep into this series. Three absolutely dynamite games. Uh, and I think they're all on Game Pass. Is that correct? I think everything is on Game Pass. Yeah, I, think I think like that, everything they showed. That graphic <laughs> it, it was the joke I made. The, that 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 available on Game Pass is the hardest working graphic at not E3 because it appeared <laughs> after every single trailer. Oh. I think like I don't have it because again, I don't have an Xbox, although I suppose I could just get it and use it for Windows. But uh, Game Pass appears to continue to be the best value in gaming. It really is. Um, and this just proved it more and more. Well, Persona 5 Royal is coming out on October 20. Holy crap. That is going to be a crazy month for us for reviews. Uh, it's coming out October this year. A- apparently, everything is coming out in October this year. So <laughs> that's going to be very interesting uh, and stressful time for the review staff. Everyone chose treat. Nobody chose trick. We weren't expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm really excited to play Persona 3. I feel like that's been a pretty inaccessible game for a while. So yeah. Yeah, this this yeah this announcement really caught me off guard. I was not expecting it. It's not what you would expect from an Xbox show. Yeah, yeah, it really wasn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting it either. And Persona Three is also the one I'm excited about, and I think that I do think it's going to be controversial which one they chose. But I think it kind of had to be either this one or the definitive edition because I just think I know that a lot of Persona fans don't mind the not being able to control your party thing. But I think that's super dated. I think a lot of people wouldn't like yeah. it if they went with that version. Yeah, modern audiences would have balked pretty hard. So the original, you couldn't control your party. In this version, you can. Yeah, in the original, you could control yourself and then use some very rudimentary commands for the rest of your party, um, which often led to bosses you could have beaten if only that character would have healed. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have flown as well today. <laughs> I can see how that would be somewhat frustrating. Yeah, but yeah, maybe... One day, crossing fingers, P1 and P2 theology. Maybe it's maybe it's too late at this point, but it'd be nice for those to get ported someday too. I think they'll get ported, especially if these turn out to be uh, successes for their respective platforms. Um, Persona's been slowly building more and more momentum over the last few years. Very slowly. It actually reminds me not just because of the not just because of the setting and general feel but it reminds me a little bit of the yakuza series and that yakuza kind of chugged along for many many years with its core group of fans uh and never really got a whole lot of traction outside of that core group of fans and then all of a sudden it just started to break through and now it's it's becoming really really big and i kind of i kind of see the persona series doing the same thing yeah i think persona 5 you know breaking a lot of their records and kind of hit the mainstream closer than any of them before had and we'll see if that keeps happening it's something to be very excited about regardless and i'm very excited about because i finally get to play this stupid game and there's a lot of people on staff who have played this game and very much like it and tell me you really should play persona 5 royal we think you'd like it and i'm like i know i know it's so stylish looking uh well 
let's move on to a actual announcement. These are re-releases. This is an announcement. Now, uh, at RPG Fan, we love covering farm sims. Uh, and believe me, there were just a massive number of farm sims announced during this not E3 uh, this year, including a lot of them, which I genuinely for like a few seconds thought were actual sequels or DLC for Stardew Valley. Uh, I'm really surprised there's not much, there hasn't been much more of an outcry of some people like not just emulating some of the style, but like flat out stealing it. Like these games look exactly like Stardew Valley. Um, but one game that looks nothing like Stardew Valley but is still a farm sim, is Lightyear Frontier. Space! Uh, This is a bit different because it's going to be a first-person adventure where you build a farm on a far-off planet using mechs. And uh, based on the look look of it, I think there's a lot of potential here. Uh, Brian, this was your choice for today. Yeah, I felt like a big hypocrite picking this one to talk about because all the way up to this point in Not E3... Every time there was a survival game or a farm game, I was like, oh man, another generic survival game or another boring farm game. But this one has a tractor mech <laughs> and that makes it different. Um, I just think that's tractor so mechs, cool. Very close, it, to, very close to a train. <laughs> when the, the mech landed and I was like, oh, it's a tractor and the guns are the hoses. Like, I, apparently I'm amused by very simple things, but... I find that so charming. I think the bright colors are a, a big distinction between versus like the relatively dark survival games that don't terribly interest me. Uh, this seems like a brighter take on the genre than those to me, and I like that a lot. Honestly, Brian, on the day four of Naughty Three, bright colors—it's fine. That can stay. That can be like, yeah, that's nice, good. We're just dead at this point, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just—I've grown a little tired of like. I think there's a lot of survival games, and I'm sure there. Obviously, there's a huge market for that genre, but I think they often have a very similar aesthetic and tone, and this feels mm-hmm. like a survival game very much the opposite of that it's very it feels very bright it feels very very like hopeful and happy and i, I like that i think that I'll, I'll definitely try this one and i think the mech looks super cool the mech is a big part of the appeal for me yeah i think the fact that they are going in a different gameplay uh, gameplay perspective than the usual farm sims is promising and it might actually push the genre in a different direction which at the moment is entirely stardew valley yeah the mech is they made the mech really charming (laughs) which is not something i usually say about mechs so that's that's an accomplishment right there (laughs) this might be the most unique farm sim we saw over these last few days um and if you throw mechs in anything which they've been throwing mechs in a lot of stuff this year uh i'm kind of on board so yep farm mechs in space Okay, sure. <laughs> Does it have any trains? Does it have any bears? All right, that's fine. We'll play it anyway. <laughs> um, well, let's wrap up the last day of Not E3. It's technically not the last day of Not E3. There are still some shows to come, um, but they're not the big ones. And uh, this is this is kind of the big one. And this is what, for the better or for worse, what all of Not E3 has been building up to, all of the buzz, etc. And that is the big reveal of Bethesda's new massive rpg starfield starfield is my choice uh i am a massive fan of bethesda rpgs fallout 76 notwithstanding uh and i was really hopeful for this like i mentioned in last week's episode i had been playing a lot of fallout 4 again a lot of modded fallout 4 uh and very much enjoying that game it like Bethesda rpgs really hit that spot for me and i was hopeful for this for years i've been saying that Based on everything we've seen, Starfield just looks like it looks like the Outer Worlds without a sense of humor. Nothing I saw in this presentation 
dissuaded me from that opinion. However, it does look pretty good. I think it looks, I think it has a lot of promise. Uh, we saw a ton of gameplay. Uh, you can switch between first and third person perspectives. Personally, I'm a first person fan, but I know that many other people prefer third person perspectives. This looks like it has everything that we would expect from a Bethesda RPG. Uh, a lot of choices, a lot of different factions. Uh, there are expanded crafting options. It looks like they're actually taking on base building again, very much like they did in Fallout 4, but hopefully better, uh, much better. You can also build your own ship, which is really, really cool. Uh, not only that, you can also fly your own ship, which from rumors and things that I have read online and some reporting from a few uh, other game journalists, uh, apparently the space combat has was the wor- was the weak point of this. It just it didn't work. Hopefully they have uh, fixed that or they are in the process of fixing that because I think it has a lot of potential. Um, the big announcement that was accompanied today, Todd Howard was there and Todd Howard in his usual overpromising, hopefully not underlivering style, uh, said that not only can you land at like cities on the various planets in this star system. Oh yeah, this is set in space too, if you haven't guessed by Starfield or the general theme of Not E3. Um, not only can you land in cities, you can land anywhere on the planet. And not only can you land anywhere on the planet, you can land anywhere on any planet in the system. And not only that, there are hundreds of systems, which means there are thousands of planets that are all fully explorable. And when I heard that, I was like, oh no, uh, because I don't go to Bethesda RPGs for procedurally generated content, which I assume has to be the case if they have thousands of fully explorable worlds. Um, I want handcrafted worlds. To be honest, that's the only thing that I loved about Fallout 76. That's the only reason I actually, the only redeeming thing about that game was the handcrafted world, which was amazing. Uh, I, I, to this day, I really wish that I could play a better game in the world of Fallout 76. Um, so the fact that all of these worlds are explorable makes me nervous it makes me very nervous because i don't want that i would rather have a single system that's all explorable rather than thousands of different planets it's a little bit no man's sky and we all know how that turned out um although apparently it has gotten better in recent years um and not only that the fact that all of these worlds are procedurally generated to me screams that the potential for insane amounts of bugs um bethesda rpgs are famous for their bugs they're famous for releasing broken, and then the fans need to fix them and transform them into playable and exciting games. Uh, Starfield is announced for release. It got moved. It's going to be in 2023. I would put money on that being delayed by at least six months. In fact, I really hope it is delayed by six months to after whatever they announce, because that would hopefully give them time to fix the bugs. I really do feel that Bethesda, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Bethesda needs to release a game that is not broken. They desperately need to. And I don't mean the publisher, I mean the developer. If they don't, I think it's going to, it's already badly hurt their reputation. Uh, Fallout 76 was and is still a thorn in their side uh, in some ways that's still bleeding. And if they don't release a game that is polished and not broken, and I don't mean like regular bugs. I don't mean like something stupid that happens. Like all games get released with bugs. All games get patched. I mean like flat out broken gameplay. If they don't release that, I think Bethesda might be done, at least in its current iteration. Um, anyway, I, 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 I hope, I hope so much that this is going to be good. Um, what does anyone else, what does everyone else think about Starfield and the reveal? I was happy to see some, some more footage 
Uh, I was, they didn't really show me the thing that I wanted to see at first, which was kind of what makes the game unique. Because at first, when they were just showing the combat mission, I was like, okay, this looks like a Bethesda RPG in space. That's kind of what I expected. They got into that a little bit more when they started talking about the artifacts and the different planets in the spaceship. The spaceship looked really cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah, you can build your own spaceship. Nine, I, I would put money on like 90% of the starships that people design. It's just, it's going to be Serenity. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I share your concern about when he said thousands of planets or a thousand planets. I was like, okay, what I hear when you say that is 10 good planets and then 990 boring procedurally generated ones. And I hope mm -hmm. that's not what it'll be, but that's what I hear when that's said. That sounds like impossibly big to me for it all to be interesting. What I'm assuming that they would do, I mean, obviously I'm not a game developer. What I assume is that they would use a procedurally generated, like procedurally generated planets and they would create one. And then hopefully the developers would go down to that procedurally generated planet or and check it out and like fix things and move things around. I'm really hoping that these planets are going to be, everyone's going to have the same choice of a thousand different planets. And hopefully they pick, they like procedurally generated, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of planets and they picked the thousand best ones. That's what I hope. That's not saying that's what they did. Yeah. I, I mean, whatever they do, I hope it's good. I just think that, uh, the open world genre is to its detriment getting a little obsessed with like every world being significantly larger than the last one. I think at a certain point there's diminishing returns on size versus quality of what you've put in the space you have. Size versus content. Yeah, you can only shove so much content into a world so big before it starts feeling empty. That was the central problem with Fallout 76. I mean, there were a lot of there were a lot of central problems with Fallout 76, but that was one of them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was going to chime in that. Yeah, I share those concerns when I heard the Thousand Planets thing. That's an, um, yeah, uh, the chat I was watching on Twitch and Twitch chat was spamming No Man's Skyrim. And like, yeah. that's just, yeah, I think a lot of people are flashing back to No Man's Sky with this, with that, like, planet um comment but yeah i'm hoping that they're crafted worlds their worlds where there are things to do and yeah i'm but yeah in terms of like overall though like the game looks great um the spaceship customization was really really looked cool to me like looking at the different varieties they showed off was great it looks more like it looks like there'll be a good variety there instead of just like a few custom types or whatever like it looks like a pretty fleshed out customization mm -hmm. spaceship building thing so yeah hopefully the central worlds that are central to the plot are handcrafted but i've given up the idea of handcrafted planets for thousands of worlds i'm hope the only hope i have is that they're curated uh procedurally generated planets but yeah you know i've just talked myself out of being super excited for this game during this podcast thanks I'm, guys i'm you know, still, I'm still excited for it <laughs> it's, i think it's, I know, be it's good. not you guys bringing me down it's not you guys bringing me down i was just talking about it i was like Thousands of worlds, thousands of thousands of oh, crap. <laughs> well, I get that. I came into this expecting to not be excited for Starfield. I haven't let myself get excited for Starfield. Um, Fallout was really my Bethesda um, series. And um, Fallout 4 was like good, but it took a while to be good. And Fallout 76 just kind of wasn't. Have you played Fallout 76 extensively? I, I don't know how to define extensively. Uh, Let's say 20 hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there's so much content. <laughs> that's been released since then and i've played almost none of it i started a new character a while back and uh a lot of it didn't make any sense to me because 
you know, that's technically a year later, which means that there was just some some jackass who was squatting in the vault for a year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not eating anything, just eating crumbs um, in the dark. Uh, the fact that they added in NPCs is obviously a big help. Um, yeah. But I was, were you also, the only thing that I loved about that game was the world. Yeah. I loved exploring that world. I loved the music I got to listen to while exploring that world. Um, and that was pretty much the extent of it. <laughs> that was the stuff yep. that I loved. Oh, if you do go back to Fallout 4, uh, there's a lot of mods. You and I should have a mod discussion. Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned that you were thinking about playing it again. There's a lot of mods, but one of the best mods that you can possibly download for Fallout 4 is called More Where That Came From. And it is a selection of 100 more curated, period, and thematically appropriate songs that play on Diamond Radio. Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, thank god, Bongo Bongo Bongo, Bongo, Bongo is not going to be playing for the 19th time in the last hour. Uh, it just gives Travis a whole bunch of new records, and it makes it so much better. And honestly, I feel like the radio stations are part of what makes Fallout appeal to me so much, which is you know one of the reasons I was like, okay, no matter how good Starfield is, it's not going to have that, uh, which is yep. so so minor a thing, but that <laughs> is what it is. But yep. the visual design that they showed, the mechanical designs, making your own spaceship, everything, man, I was pretty impressed by Starfield. I ended up you know being way more excited than I walked in you know, expecting to be so in spite of yourself, yeah. in spite of myself and in spite of I'm, I'm with everyone on the thousand explorable everything's. But. Yeah. But it, he's getting mocked for that and deservedly. So absolutely. Um, but you know, it's not going to be released for another year. I would not be surprised if it's not going to be released for another two years. Um, I actually would very much, if this thing's released in 2024, I would be totally fine with that. I I would like them to avoid a Fallout 76 or Cyberpunk 2077 uh, at all cost. I'm I'm not too stressed about that. I think it's going to be fun. I, I think it probably will be buggy, but probably like the normal amount of Bethesda buggy. Because I think it's only a... And it's a problem if a game is buggy. <laughs> <Bethesda> buggy. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. But there's a difference between fun buggy, there's, which a lot of games are, and broken. There's buggy. Fallout 76 and New Vegas at launch buggy, which is a big problem. And then there's other Bethesda games, which is like a problem, but it's fine. And I think it's probably going to be around that level. Oh, yeah. It's like I said last week. There's definitely going to be at least one spaceship that falls through the world map randomly. And that's fine. And what's going to happen is it's going to be some regular run-of-the-mill bugs. And people are going to be like, oh, here we go with Bethesda again. But people know the difference between like a buggy game and just like launch bugs. At least I hope they do. It's the internet. So who knows? Um, Yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm hopeful about this game. I'm so hopeful about this game. I really want it to be good. Um, although I have to admit, it's not the game I'm most excited about this uh, for this announcement. That was by far the biggest surprise, which was Silk Song. What? Yeah, I was not expecting Silk Song. That yeah, I I really expected that to be like a Nintendo direct. Nintendo direct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I think that's why they didn't announce a due date, which apparently, according to what they said, is everything on this in this thing is coming out in the next twelve months. So we know that Silk Song is coming out. In the next 12 months, that narrows it down. Well, <laughs> I feel like if they didn't have the release date, that leads me to believe maybe a tail end of yeah. 12 months, possibly with a delay a little past that. Yeah, mm. I feel like we're probably looking at 2023. Yeah. Well, the other game that caught my eye uh, during this presentation is uh, an, actually an Obsidian game, uh, Peniment, which it looks like a like a mystery murder mystery style RPG set in, I don't know what the, if it would be the 1500s perhaps. Um, but it just looks like a really, really interesting game. Uh, 
2D kind of side scrolling, and I I am I'm actually super excited for it. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting gaming experience that was experiences that was announced during Naughty Three. So I'm pretty pumped for that. There were a lot of games in this thing that a lot of people were expecting that just weren't there. Like I know there were a lot of people expecting something about the new Indiana Jones game. Uh, I'm stunned that nothing got announced. Obsidian's uh, answer to uh, Elder Scrolls, which was uh, Avowed. I was fully expecting that. Yeah, I was surprised. Out. I was fully expecting an announcement like will be coming out in the next few months and there was nothing, um, which was a big surprise. But all in all, I thought it was a pretty good presentation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and the future game show, also pretty good. Just really friggin' long. Um, well, let's, uh, we're running, well, I guess we're not running long because I warned everyone that we we're going to be running long in this episode. But uh, let's do a quick look here at what is still to come. So there's going to be a Capcom showcase tomorrow uh, on June 13th. This, we're recording this on Sunday, immediately after the, uh, uh, the PC gaming show. Um, it's going to be on the 13th, and it, they say that it's not going to be, there's not going to be any announcements. It's going to be focusing entirely on uh, already announced titles, which I'm fine with. They did this last year, too, to much, uh, much mockery, if I recall, uh, I think that now that people know what to expect, they're not going to get mocked as heavily as they were last year because last year it was literally just like stuff we've already seen, much of which was already presented earlier that week. Um, I know Solosi is ridiculously pumped about it because Solosi is hoping for some more Monster Hunter news. Yeah, me too. There is also going to be uh, tomorrow the Gorilla Collective 3.5, which is just going to be like an expanded version. Apparently they might have a few new announcements, but I think that primarily they have... Uh, showing everything big that they are planning on showing. Uh, on the 14th, there's going to be the Xbox Games Showcase Extended, which is basically just going to be the Bethesda Xbox Showcase today, but just more of it. Uh, so they'll presumably show some more footage. They'll probably talk about Starfield a whole lot more. Uh, we don't know what to expect, but apparently they're not going to be announcing any games. Uh, and the other big announcement, or I guess, I don't even know if we could call it a show, is uh, Final Fantasy VII 25th anniversary celebration on June 16th. Apparently, this is going to be only 10 minutes long. Uh, and uh 10-minute trailer for Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. Who knows? Yeah, I'm hoping for, for a little... Yeah, I don't know if it's too much to ask for, but yeah, I feel like FF7R2 is not, not too wild of a thing to expect. I don't think so either. I think it's it's fairly... They need to announce it at some point. This is a good time to do it. It's a good time to do it. 25th anniversary. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they pulled, like, Yakuza presentation and just announced, like, a cloud cologne or something like that. (laughs) It'd break my heart, but it would not surprise me. It would not be out of character. (laughs) It's the dead dove do not eat bag of the Final Fantasy world. It's like nine minutes of merge, one minute of game. Yeah, they they announce a Yuffie hoodie that's being released at Uniqlo, and that's the entire thing. And thanks for coming, everyone. I mean, that sounds cool. Okay, yeah, to be fair, if someone released released Yuffie's hoodie uniqlo i have a feeling they'd have a hit there okay i take it back um and of course the thing that we are all missing the elephant that's not in the room is the nintendo direct uh which traditionally there is a nintendo direct at the end of e3 it's usually on the last day uh that's not happening obviously it better not be happening because let me let me double check uh let me double check online but if, if there's a nintendo direct happening right now nope we're safe um who knows there might be one there have been rumors that there might be a nintendo direct on tuesday we were talking about delaying this uh episode of random encounter until the nintendo direct if there was a nintendo direct announced a few days ago that was going to be coming on tuesday that obviously didn't happen uh, so if there is a nintendo direct in the next few days we'll be covering it on the next episode of random encounter uh but i mean hopefully 
I'm a little surprised that they haven't done it because it's kind of, everyone's attention is on video games right now. That's the point of not E3 or E3 week. Uh, Nintendo usually takes advantage of the press's uh, focus. So if they're making a big announcement about, I don't know, uh, Breath of the Wild 2 or something like that, by announcing it during the traditional E3 period, they can guarantee that mainstream press is probably going to run more stories about it than they would otherwise. So I'm a little surprised that they haven't taken advantage. Yeah, I feel like there has to be an Intel Direct coming, but like I'm surprised that they haven't like at least announced it yet, you know? Nintendo likes to zag on them. It's it's going to keep us guessing, and then it's going to drop it out of the middle of nowhere in like August. <laughs> yeah. The old thing about Nintendo is not in the same business as Sony and Microsoft is true. And sometimes they really like to demonstrate that by being like, well, we are not really in the video game business. We're more in the the fun business. <laughs> and you're like, oh, God darn it. Just give me a Nintendo Direct. <laughs> give us a friggin' release date. Like, I fully expected there to be a Nintendo Direct. I fully expected them to like, okay, here, here's a prediction. I might be wrong about this. I think it might be true. If there is a Nintendo Direct this week, I predict that they will do a shadow drop of advance wars it does feel like that's coming i mean it's literally just sitting yeah, I mean, there it's done i know that they delayed it because of the war in ukraine and i actually think that was an extremely uh i don't even think it was a good move in terms of business i think it was just a respectful move uh yeah, that admirable. i actually respected them for because that's this is not a small game for them it's it's like it's a pretty awesome game and i they this for you know they just said no we don't want to release it right now um, which I respect them for. That being said, they have to release it at some point. And I would be, I'd be surprised if, if it isn't in the next Direct. And Nintendo loves their shadow drops and it gets people excited. And this, this could be one of the biggest things that they could shadow drop, which would be... Uh, no, the biggest thing yeah. that could be shadow drop would be Breath of the Wild. <laughs> okay, that the biggest, the thing, biggest that thing that they, they might shadow drop. Shadow drop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, that's better. Breath of the Wild 2 shadow drop would drive me insane. Could you honestly imagine the reaction if it says, and Breath of the Wild is available now on the Nintendo eShop? <laughs> what the... Huh? <laughs> Can you imagine what would happen to uh, managers at every job around the country as PTO just gets slammed in at the last minute? <laughs> every oh GameStop gets raided. Like, it would be a lot. It would be amazing. That would be uh, that would be quite a reveal, but that will never happen. Um, well, let, uh, we're running. I guess like, we're not really long. Let's 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 do the discussion question because I think it's a fairly important discussion question given the last few days. Um, this is something that's been on my mind. I think it's been on the mind of a lot of people. Uh, you guys can order, you know, answer in whatever order you want. Do you miss E3? And I don't I don't mean like, I don't, I, I mean E3, like the show. Do you miss it? Because this is the first year it's not here in any way, shape, or form. Apparently they're coming back next year. They say they're coming back next year. Who knows if that's true or not, or if they will be able to pull it off in a way that's actually meaningful. But for this year, do you miss E3? I miss the version of E3 that I remember from childhood but I don't really miss <laughs> the recent versions of E3. <laughs> like I, I miss Taking the words out that's of my a mouth. Good, that's a good summary. I feel, like, I feel that way too. I really liked it when we had one big show that everyone was at. And then you had all the articles and videos that were like, Oh, who won E3? I think that was all fun. But really the last few years, a lot of the big players were moving to their own things anyway. So it, it, it was already starting to feel like a bit of a husk of its former self in, in many ways, I think. So I do miss it, but I miss a version of it that hasn't been around for a while. Yeah, and honestly, I think there are some big benefits to doing it this way, because as you mentioned, the discussions of, of who won E3 could be fun. They could also be tribalist nonsense that uh, is just unpleasant. 
unpleasant to be on the internet during those. And I feel like those have been largely gone without like a big, you know, each company has a big E3 showcase, even though they all had their own event. I'm not seeing that quite as much, which is kind of pleasant to see. And we have a lot less time spent on um, celebrities who have nothing to do with with gaming kind of coming in for a big show-stopping moment, uh, The Rock excluded. I like how when you said that, every single person listening to this immediately thought The Rock. Yeah, I yeah. needed to embody the internet for a second there. <laughs> yeah. It's always nice when you can convince the audience to all have the exact same thought at the exact same time. You know, what's what's really hard is how hard it is to say... Do these events feel less big because we don't have that E3, that big showcase? Or do they feel less big because we're two years deep into a pandemic that's delaying everything? So they just don't have that much to show by comparison. That's not to say Mm. we didn't see a whole lot, but we definitely saw the indies bring it a lot more than the big studios did. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I feel like it's hard to tell without knowing the counterfactual world where the pandemic didn't happen and all that stuff. But um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I... I miss E3. I do. I, like like what you were saying. Obviously, I do miss like the E3 of the E3 of my childhood when like Game Players Magazine would have a couple of spreads and there'd be like you'd see like photos of these 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 big displays and like a giant version of Mario and they, like that's obviously a, a very bygone era that's never coming back. Um, and the E3 of like the last two years where it's been a, a literal shell of its former self. I don't miss that. I do actually miss the framework that E3 gave. I miss the structure of it, um, where it felt like there was some kind of... This, to me, feels a bit like chaos. And I know that there's a schedule, and we've been looking at the schedule and things like that, and it technically nothing's changed from that. But I feel like E3 gave a certain structure to the news which made it easier for a lot of people, myself included, uh, to digest. And I think actual since like people, not not game journalists, like people who just pay attention to video games. I think it gave a framework. Uh, it gave a tent where they could go in and get E3 news. And I think that it's because everyone is doing their own shows now and we don't know, and Nintendo might be doing a show like next week, who knows? They might be doing it at the end of August for all we know. They might not do one for 2022. Who the heck knows? Um, I feel like that damages my enjoyment of the week a little bit. I'm going to be very honest here. I didn't enjoy this week at all. I don't know why. Maybe it's my mindset. Maybe it's that we're two years into this pandemic. And yeah, things are getting back to normal, but things aren't normal. Like just today, like Amanda was going to be going to a dance workshop and then like the organizer came down with COVID and has been working with people there all week. So it's like, well, you don't really want to go to that, even if you were, you know, vaccinated. And it, it's just these kind of things happen. I don't know. Maybe I just missed normality. But the last the last week has been there have been some great announcements. There have been some amazing games announced that I'm super excited about. But I've just been very tired this E3. And I it hasn't it hasn't given me the same level of excitement. And I think part of that is because E3 doesn't exist anymore. It's just it's just a bunch of gaming announcements that are shoved up as close to each other as possible while giving people enough time to go to the bathroom um, without that structure. I mean, that's just where I'm coming from. Um, so yeah, I miss E3. I don't think it's coming back. I think that next year, their, their thing, we're coming back with an in-person and online. Mm-mm. I don't think you are. I think you might have an E3 presentation, but I think it's going to be one of many presentations i think it's going to be joining summer gaming fest and ign expo etc as one of the presentations of this week but i think e3 as a structure as a as a tent is gone forever and i don't think it's coming back and i 
I'm a little bit sad about that, to be completely honest. I think it's worth kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, grieving over for sure. Um, even even if like kind of what it's become in, in the last few years, especially since the pandemic, isn't what it was. Um, for, for that shining moment, those those years, it was really something to look forward to every year. It was like the high, one of the highlights of the year um, mm-hmm. in a way that this... Uh, as you said, it just hasn't been, despite there being plenty of good stuff to be had. I mean, for me, E3 was very was analogous to like San Diego Comic Con, where it's like all of the big comic book uh, folks come out, and this is where they do panels and they do announcements, and and it's just kind of like a one stop shop, and it provided a structure in place to uh, to absorb all of this news in a way that is uh, well doable for one thing, and without a structure just the news kind of washes over you, I feel. Yeah. And uh, again, that's not going to go anywhere because companies like having control over their own announcements. They like not having an overriding authority telling them what they can and can't do. I think they like being able to negotiate with uh, Jeff at Summer Gaming Fest or IGN Expo. And like, I, I don't know if this is what this is what's going on in the background. I assume it is, but I'm assuming that they are negotiating for like the best spots and the best slots and time and times and features and things like that. And they can do that now because there is no single gaming authority. It's, it's a bunch of different little ones. Um, and that being said, there are some really, really great things about E3 not providing that structure. One of which is shows like the Griddle Collective, uh, Wholesome Direct, indie shows like that. And a lot of indie games can get oxygen that they never got during E3, uh, except in like very smaller, smaller venues. So that's great because that's democratized part of what e th- uh, what uh, the video game industry is. There are positives and there are negatives. I just find it to be a little bit exhausting without the structure. That's all. It's just it's just where I'm coming from. Yeah, I feel like it's been harder to keep up with like all the different showcases now that there's not that like E3 centralization. Because yeah, it's you got to keep track of all a bunch of different social media accounts to see who's announcing what when and stuff like that. And yeah, it ends up being it ends up being a lot more decentralized. And on the plus side of everything, I I have to remember that the current state of affairs in terms of all of these gaming shows happening this week, this is only the third year it's happened. Um, And the first year was a disaster because no one knew what was going on. Last year, I thought was actually a pretty great mix of what E3 was and the new the new feel and this year E3 is gone completely. So by next year, maybe even more of the bugs will be ironed out and it will be uh, an enjoyable week, but I didn't feel this was a, I didn't feel the sense of fun that E3 has and E3 meant to me uh, as a video game fan. I didn't feel the fun this year and a lot of people might feel differently, but that's, that's just how I feel. I didn't have a sense of fun. I didn't have a sense of excitement. It just kind of, it was just kind of a metric ton of game trailers just one after the other after the other and it, it just it eventually it just wore me down i do think it definitely lacks the uh kind of the pomp and circumstance uh like even that it had in the last few years like it's harder for especially the shows that don't have like a huge reveal and they're just showing you know and i love my indie game shows but when you have like several of them where it's just indie games and you know, maybe one in three look really promising. Uh, It's just, Mm -hmm. it is hard to build the hype up as much, I think. And this is happening with everything. I mean, you can see it. You can see the slow motion train wreck that is the Academy Awards eventually heading to the Academy Awards no longer happening. And that's kind of how I feel E3 sort of, it just started to lose relevance for a variety of different reasons um, where people just don't really want want it anymore. Anyway, this is... 
this is a bit of a downer to end the uh, not E3, not E3 extravaganza episode on. But do you miss E3? If you do miss E3, please send me some, send me some thoughts. Uh, and uh, you can do so at jlogan at rpgfan.com. Or you can send your thoughts to podcast rpgfan.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. Uh, but I'm not the only person on this podcast that has some uh, social media presence out there. Brian, where can we find you online? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Badgerbarian. God, I love that. It's just such a great username. Uh, Mario, where can we find you online? Yeah, so I do the social media accounts for RPG Fan. So you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as well, my own my own Twitter is uh, EXPTuny. Yeah. Cool. And Wes, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Wes Iliff. It might be a mistake, but it's a mistake. Uh, if you regret, you can unfollow. <laughs> uh, you know what's not a mistake? Listening to the past episodes of Random Encounter. Uh, yes, you can go back through our back catalog and find the games that uh, you enjoy playing. Speaking of retro games, Retro Encounter is coming back. We've already recorded the first part of our two-part Suikoden episode, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, I know that Solosi has a ton of incredible ideas in the backlog. Uh, he's been uh, he's been spending his time off thinking about doing the show, uh, which is very Solosi if you know him. Um, so it's going to be a very, very exciting few months for retro fans out there. Uh, we also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG Fans Music Podcast. Uh, due to the prep of Not E3 and a number of other factors, Rhythm wasn't posted last week, but it will be back next week uh, with a look at music from the future. So it's going to be a an episode focused on uh, future music and RPGs. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share it with your friends. You can help us get the word out there. Uh, please rate us on iTunes, your other podcast players of choice. I would like to thank all of you on this podcast for joining me. And I want to thank you all for the massive... Actually, you know what? I want to thank everyone at RPG Fan for the in, just incredible amount of work they've been doing over the last week of keeping up with trailer after trailer, like story after story. Uh, the Our boards have been absolutely packed with stories that need to be written and proofed and posted. And the work that the team at RPG Fan has been doing is simply... Uh, astonishing and i applaud every single person who works on this site and including the three of you Thank oh you. thanks i really appreciate after this week you spending your sunday night with me that is uh very very kind of you been a blast sure. no thank you for having me thank you for being here and uh thank all of you for joining us who are listening and whatever you're playing have fun <laughs>